0: I just want to give you a heads up Throughout our large sections of this episode I'm recording with a stinking cold Which was almost certainly a second bout of COVID So apologies up front for the poor vocal performance He was slinging pawns at a BNB When he had no epiphany But just sit back and let Spencer do his trick, cause you're incapable of M-M-Ms. Hello, and welcome to Keep Off The Borderlands. My name's Spencer, a.k.a. Free For All, and you can probably hear the seagulls. I am not at home. I am currently away. Well, you may recall that, um, back at the end of March, it would have been, I recorded an episode when I was at a holiday park just outside of Edinburgh, over on the East coast. This time I'm on the West coast in a place called Ayr, just outside of Glasgow. And, um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a very difficult week, to be honest. Um, I've not been feeling too well. I have been um, suffering with a bit of a flare-up of my MS symptoms, poor balance, muscular weakness, uh, coordination, and uh, just mobility issues in general. All the, all the the weird and wonderful symptoms uh, all have a contributing factor just to making life particularly difficult and then we get hit by a heat wave and that is really um problematic for me you know um and I say heat wave we're talking a couple of days where it's been thirty degrees Celsius you do the math it's, Maybe that doesn't sound so hot to some listeners, but uh, it's just crippling for me. It just destroys me. I um, Yeah, the f- fatigue, just all the energy just sucked out of you. It's hard uh, going. Yeah, so anyway... I digress. I'm away in a, a caravan park. Um, I realized that may not translate across the pond. Essentially we're staying in a trailer. Um, but to call it a trailer park would give the wrong connotations. It's a resort. It's, uh, by the sea. There's a lot of, uh, stuff for the kids to do. That's essentially why we're here to keep the kids entertained and give ourselves a bit of a break. Um, we passed the worst of the heat wave, and I say heat wave, I'm talking about a Scottish heat wave, which is, uh, well, as I say, 30 degrees. Um, where I used to live, down in southeast of England, it's been a more like 40 degrees, which is unheard of in the UK. I think it's been a long, long time since we've had temperatures like that. Although it has been gradually getting hotter year on year, but then I don't need to go into that. We all know what's going on there. Whether we choose to acknowledge it or not is, uh, well, that's a personal choice, I guess. Um, I don't know what to say now. (laughs) Let's pause it there. So, uh, yeah, there were a few things I wanted to talk about in this episode. Since the last episode, or probably prior to the last episode, Errant was finally released. Uh, this is a game by Jester that pitched itself as being rules-like, procedure-heavy, which I found very intriguing as an idea, as much as I go on about my preference for rules-like games. Sometimes it's not always very easy to see how these things would work at the table or actually getting them to the table they're quite brief in explaining you know how best to implement the scant rules that are there so I found this a particularly interesting idea of trying to address as much as possible but using very simple mechanics to do so You can probably tell I haven't really read it yet. I'd have flicked through um, last month, haven't been able to sit down with it properly. But um, it's certainly something that I've been looking forward to. Uh, Talking of Rules Light, what was I looking at? Oh, it occurred to me that um, the creator of Witchburner, Long Winter, and Ultraviolet Grasslands, Luca. Now, I've been saying reject. It's clearly not reject. R E J E C. I want to apologize for that. As I understand that it's pronounced Rayets. I think I'm saying that right. Certainly closer than reject, anyway. Uh, I've been saying reject over and over again. I knew it wasn't correct. But if you're a listener, Luca, apologies. Um, Talking of pronunciation, I've been listening to the Weekly Scroll TTRPG podcast where they reviewed Kubayashi's Flayo. This is spelled F-L-E-A-U-X. That's pronounced Flayo, which makes sense because I believe uh, Kubayashi is French and... um, I really like his style. Really like his stuff. Lots of rules like stuff. And something about Flayo, which I found very similar to Merkborg or Merkborge, as we're on pronunciations. And I've I've been talking about Merkborge and how. I feel that I'm not metal enough to play it, as Joe Richter of hindsightless kindly pointed out. I certainly am male enough to play it, regardless of what I might think. But to be honest, I don't think it's the lack of metal in me that is the problem. I think it's more to do with where I am at mentally at the moment and the sense, this sort of sense of defeatism that I see in a lot of games at the moment. It's kind of grim, dark, the world is going to end and uh, we're going to get our kicks before this whole place goes up in flames kind of attitude. You know, that sense of resignation, that sense of uh, almost becoming complicit in the impending doom, the forthcoming apocalypse. Now, I, I, like I say, I do, I do like grim and gritty stuff. As I said regarding uh, Warhammer in the last episode and my response to seeing that first edition, humor played a big part in what drew me to that as well. You know, kind of a black comic attitude. And for me, it was always that it's about the small man, the underdog. But having integrity in the face of absurdity. Absurdity? I meant to say adversity there, but I think I might be onto something... (laughs) So trying to be the good in spite of what surrounds you, you know, I I, I, I guess it's just the way I'm feeling about the world at the moment, you know, this sort of the prevailing mood. Maybe it's just how I'm feeling about what's going on right now. Um, But I've been very interested by the whole concept of solar punk, despite my kind of resistance to the the, the suffix of punk being utilized here, there and everywhere. Um, it's still it's an it's an approach and an idea, an aesthetic that intrigues me, you know, but I don't feel I fully understand what it is. One thing that has cropped up very recently is Primeval Bastionland. Let's let's stop there. It's getting noisy around here. Hey, it's a couple of days later. I'm in a much better place mentally. I'm still at the caravan park. <laughs> but um, I was thinking about re-recording that intro, but I thought, you know, why censor that part of myself there's no less me than uh, what you're getting now so uh yeah you're just gonna have to deal with it i'm afraid <laughs> This is my second attempt to record this. It's something I've been meaning to record for quite some time. But, you know, life and all that. Uh, A few weeks ago, I joined the TTRPG social media reviews database. Now, this is a Google Doc spreadsheet. I will put a link to it in the episode description. It allows reviewers, podcasters, bloggers to uh, put their information into this database and folks creating TTRPGs, you know, indie self-publishers, basically, can find your details and send out their, you know, press packs or release information, games for review, that kind of stuff. And that is where I found out about Rolling Cuns Done Generator, the kickstart I was talking about a couple of episodes ago. I think it's episode 201. Um, but uh, somebody reached out to me last month, actually. The creator called uh, Jessica Levine. I hope I'm saying that correctly. She is uh, an author, musician. And a tabletop game designer, she created something called Going Rogue, which essentially looks like a spy-themed espionage-type game set in the Star Wars universe, or at least something that looks very much like the Star Wars universe. And uh, as I say, she found my contact details through that database. And she recently released a very interesting-looking game entitled I Have the High Ground, which she crowdfunded as part of Zine Month this year. And essentially, I just want to share a short description of that game. And again, I will share links in the description for those of you who are interested in it. I Have the High Ground is a collaborative two-player dueling game of banter, posturing, and capes. I Have the High Ground is premised on the concept that, let's face it, duelling is sexy. But what's sexier than combat is that slower, higher tension duel that occurs before any damage is done, before any blow is even struck. The duel of word and wit, of casual motion and threatening manoeuvres. It's a GM-less storytelling game for two players that can be played in any genre in less than three hours. Eskewing the medium's typical emphasis on combat, it is narrative-focused and encourages players to stun with their style and stab with pity one-liners in the jewel of melodrama that precedes an anticipated battle. In I Have the High Ground, play ends where the combat begins. The mechanics in Iowa high ground are inspired by competitive fencing and each round players choose in secret to thrust, feign or parry. The moves are arranged in a rock, paper, scissors triangle where thrust beats feign, feign beats parry and parry beats thrust, scoring one point for the victor. These moves do not, however, translate to the bloody jabs of a sword. Instead, they help structure the narrative that follows. Thrusts resolve to vicious insults or imperious gestures. Feigns into provocative bait that incites opponents into emotional vulnerability, while parry resolves as cunning repartees. Also, there are mechanically important capes. And, uh, yeah, I've looked at the the layout of this game. It's really nicely put together. And uh, this this is available on Jess's itch page. I will put a link to that in the description. Also, apologies, Jess. I was hoping to have got this out before your um, launch on the 26th of this month. But at least now the game is available for those who wish to pick it up. So, uh, yeah, I do urge you to go over there and take a look at that. There are also some actual plays available, which, again, I will link to in the description. And thanks again, Jess, for reaching out to me. Next up, I've got a little bit of theatrics for you, followed by a poor quality recording that probably deserves to be re-recorded but what can i say you get what you pay for a primeval land of petty domains vassals in the shire's toil for their protection The misted wilds conceal beasts, vicious and knowing. Vagabonds seek their own way through winding trails. Myths are truth. Nothing is just a story or song. Seers know how they began and how they end. Every night takes the oath... Every night pursues glory. Every night seeks the city. On the subject of hope in RPGs, I was very pleased to see on the Bastionland blog, Chris McDowell, creator of Into the Odd, who's just released the revised edition of Into the Odd and creator of Electric Bastion Land has put out a playtest for a game entitled Primeval Bastion Land, essentially set in a past that never was, a land of myth and legend where the myths and the legends are real. So, uh, yes, the, the, the reason for Chris creating this is that, well, Into the Odd is very much focused on dungeon delving. Electric Bastion Land is focused on urban adventures and point crawls. And Chris wanted to explore the idea of the Hex Crawl. And that is the focus of Primeval Bastion Land. You play a knight. And um, I'm just going to read through the character creation. So creating a knight... Your knights are united by visions of the city driving you out onto quests. Roll 3d6 in order for each. Strength, representing valor and martial prowess. Dexterity, representing grace and acute quickness. Charisma, representing influence and cosmic charm. Roll 1d6 for hip protection or HP, representing the ability to avoid being wounded. Roll D100 on the knights table. Now, at this stage, I believe there are only D12 knights to choose from, because this is a playtest. Um, so there there is a list of 100 possible knights, but only 12 of them are fleshed out so roll a d100 on the knight's table this gives them holdings the things they own and have access to secrets truths held closely every knight also has a dagger doing d6 damage torches rope dry rations and camping supplies every knight has sworn the oath the knight's oath Protect the weak, vassals who toil and rely on the sword. Witness the myth. Illuminate the dark corners of the land. Find the city, the shining haven seen only in dreams. Knights keep this oath by pledging themselves to quests. Referees will tell each knight what quest they have already sworn to undertake starting the game. Knights begin the game in or near to a settlement, a good place to begin seeking information to help in their quests. Anybody who has played Into the Odd or Electric Bastionland will immediately recognise that it's using the same system as those games. Uh, the, The added element there being that your characters come with quests. Now, here's a this is a page, single page about the world set out in Chris's um, three bullet point style. So I'll quickly run through this. This primeval world, these lands, the world is fractured into petty domains, each ruled from a seat of power. Most of the world is wilderness, with fragmented homelands tended by vassals and guarded by knights. Dusty plains, frozen peaks and whirling waters keep neighbours distant. Myth. The stories that became truths, or are destined to come to pass. Nobody agrees on the details, but every version is true in some way. There's no such thing as just a myth. Our people. Most fall into a social role from birth or are taken as an apprentice. There are vassals, vagabonds, knights and seers. A web of seniority and bonds exist within and between each role. Vassals work in the community under a leader in return for protection. Vagabonds roam, working for and protecting only themselves. Seers. Those who understand the nature of myth enough to glimpse into the future. Their visions grant power and direction to a knight's quest. Some can weave new myths into reality. Beasts trees and mists conceal animals that might be unexpected in each climate fables and bestiaries catalogue their vices and virtues revealing a knowing intent to their actions dire creatures grow large and more violent with each year law Petty knights and conscripted vassals enforce the local laws. If a ruler is unpopular enough, their vassals either revolt or flee. Travellers are subject to the whims of the local powers. The city, Byzantine, Bastium, Bevelion, or Bastion, a shining beacon of civilization. We've all seen it in our dreams. It doesn't exist yet, but the future must be traveled to, not idly waited for. Other worlds. Some myths demand the existence of places with their own rules of reality. They lie apart from this world, but intimately connected to it. Entry always comes with a toll, a trick, or a guardian. And then rules of play, as I say, it's very much the rules of Into the Odd or Electric Bastion Land, but I think there is a bit more crunch to the combat with um, things like long weapons, slow actions, burdens. Oh, let me read the burden section because I think this is where the game departs slightly from what Chris has done before. However, I will say that this may have already changed because I know Chris is tweaking these playtest rules, re- refining some of the ideas. I think Burdens is one of those ideas. But in this in this version I've got it says Questing Knights require burdens on their soul. Anybody with three or more is exposed. Now exposed uh, simply means that you're not protected by HP. So any anything attacking you will inflict damage. Each burden specifies a method to relieve it, removing it from the character. So um, these burdens as i understand it are almost like mini quests like stuff you need to do in order to alleviate the the condition you're suffering from so here's a list of the burdens and what you need to do to alleviate those burdens so duty prove your word to be true fatigue enjoy hot food good sleep glory protect your legacy shame show mercy or penance vanity make your deeds known woe indulge in grief or debauchery wrath win a worthy victory of arms and then you've got the scars which are very similar to what you would see in into the odd and the electric bastion land um Now, quests, this is another kind of new element alongside burdens. So, quests are another type of burden. Relieved when they have been completed. An abandoned quest can be relieved by taking a season of reflection or indulgence. So, if you can't complete a quest, you can kind of get out of it by taking time out, I guess starting quests. In preparing the game, the referee will place six myths in the domain. So the domain is the hex map. Each knight rolls d6 for a verb and d6 for a myth to combine with it. So the verbs are here one behead two disarm three banish four mend five master six serve now i believe that the myth that you combine with that is attached to the type of knight you are now the the actual myths feature later on in the book i'm going to leave that there as far as quests are concerned because as i say the document is free and it is subject to change and i think Things like burdens and quests are going to be those areas where things are tweaked. Running the game essentially starts with taking you through the process of creating the hex map arthurian kind of fantasy questing is what chris clearly has in mind here and when you think about the arthurian legends and how they were essentially or what we think of now is what was created in the 16th century, uh, essentially by the Normans who were looking for a uh, a figure to represent Britishness. So you think of British heroes of legend and, you know, primarily the, the two that initially jump out are Robin Hood, And King Arthur, Robin Hood, obviously being an Anglo-Saxon, fighting the Normans. So that was no good for the Normans. What they wanted was someone who represented the people of the land before the Anglo-Saxons took hold of it, if not genetically, then culturally at least. So who better than a ancient British king who joined the Romans in fighting against the invading Saxon hordes. So, yes, obviously when King Arthur was being written about in the 16th century, he's presented as basically an amalgam of The past being presented as a king with knights in shining armor that wouldn't have existed until a thousand years after Arthur himself is supposed to have existed. And it gives rise to that, uh, what you would see in the film Excalibur. The aesthetic that I always think of is that of Terry Gilliam's Jabberwocky, and I can't overstate the influence that that film has had on my tastes in fantasy, grim, grimy, blackly comic, hapless and reluctant heroes, everything shrouded in mist and mystery. But it is, at the same time, it is about hope. Even if it's delusion, that's better than the alternative, isn't it? All very quixotic. What springs to mind as well is uh, David Lowry's The Green Knight. And I've already spoken about how impressed I was with that film. Um, and we probably add in a few flashes of M. Night Shyamalan's The Village, minus the inane twists. Um, also, another film which I've spoken about recently, A Company of Wolves by Neil Jordan, which also. Explores that idea as folklore as fact, myth as truth. All very evocative stuff for me. Uh, This is a world that I really want to play in. Hey, so... I'm back home and I've returned from my vacation to find a nice little stack of things to open and also a whole bunch of messages from the wonderful Jason Connolly of Nerds RPG Variety Cast. However, I will be saving those until the next episode. So there's something to look forward to.